Please open your Bibles once again with me to the book of the Psalms. Psalm 26. Psalm 26. And look there with me, beginning in verse 7. Oh, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. The Apostle Paul declared to those elders at the church of Ephesus, saying, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Isn't that our desire as believers? That we might be a faithful witness of the gospel of God's grace in Christ, testifying of all his wondrous works. Beloved, our wondrous Lord Jesus is wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Can he whose name is wonderful do anything less than that which is wonderful in God's sight? Our Heavenly Father declares of our Lord and God, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You see, our Lord Jesus is wonderful in the sight of our Heavenly Father. And so believers being a witness of this wondrous, marvelous grace in Christ, we love to tell others of God's mercy to us in Him, testifying of the glorious, wondrous work of redeeming grace, that he has done for us, testifying of God's saving mercy to sinners, of that work done within us, making us new creatures in Christ Jesus the Lord. My friend, our Heavenly Father has gathered us together to worship his Son, who is worthy of all worship, all honor, all glory, and blessing both now and forever. How marvelous, how mighty, How powerful, how effectual is his priestly work. Our high priest is precious. How prevailing in the courts of God's holy justice is the work of our advocate, Christ Jesus the righteous, who satisfied God's law for us, justifying God's people by his glorious blood atonement. Now look there with me in verse 1. A psalm of David. David writes, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have nothing to be ashamed of, Lord. You know my heart. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in that integrity that you've given to me in Christ. Indeed, Christ in you, beloved, is our sure hope of glory. Lord, I'm walking in the completeness you've given me in Christ. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. My friend, because he only, he alone is my rock and my salvation, I shall not be moved. You see, the only way a believer desires to stand before God And the only way a believer can say before the Lord God Almighty, judge me, prove me, try me, is in the sinner's refuge, Christ Jesus the Lord. 
Indeed, why would anyone dare stand anywhere else before God than in the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, some have tried, and that's recorded for us in, the, in, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Those who boasted, Lord, we preached in your name. Those who boasted, Lord, we've done these mighty works in thy name, and we've even cast out demons. And the Lord says to every one of those who boasted in themselves, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Who would dare stand before God on the merit of the deeds of their own flesh? Indeed, would you dare stand before God on the merit of the deeds of your own flesh? My friend, that's spiritual suicide. You see, the only way we can say, Lord, judge me, Lord, prove me, try me, is that the Lord Jesus Christ took all our sin and God judged my sin in my substitute and made complete satisfaction by the doing and dying of his flesh. Beloved, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Our sins, beloved, have been dealt with in Christ. Now, if you look there with me, keep your place in Psalm 26 and turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. If, is there someone here this morning who is yet not trusting on the Lord Jesus Christ for all their salvation? May God be pleased to speak to you through his word and bless you and open up the book to you. Verse 5 of Isaiah chapter 1. This is God's own word I'm declaring to you. Why should you be stricken anymore? Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even under the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. What a vivid and plain description of what we are in of ourselves. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the bottom of our feet to the top of our head, nothing but wounds and sores and all things that have not been bound up nor mollified with ointment. Through and through, we are sinful. And just as the leper cries out, who we see in the Gospels, beloved, we are made to see, feel, and know our spiritual leprosy and cry out unto God, have mercy upon me, the sinner. Our hope, beloved, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why David says, judge me, O Lord, and not with arrogance, but rather with confidence, with assurance of faith in Christ, knowing that my sins have been dealt with in Christ Jesus, knowing that God has given me complete redemption, complete deliverance, complete integrity in him. I'm walking in Christ Jesus. I've walked in my integrity, and I will walk. David writes in verse 11, in Psalm 26. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me 
and be merciful unto me, O Lord. And in the last part of verse 3, I have walked in thy truth. In effect, not walking after the flesh, he is saying, but walking after the Spirit in Christ. David sets forth in verse 1, I have trusted also in the Lord. I am trusting, and by his grace, I will trust in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. Psalm 25, verse 2, we read these words. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Beloved, our sins have been judged in Christ Jesus. Therefore, God has given us grace to walk, to live in Christ Jesus, walking in that blessed righteousness, the blessed integrity of the righteousness that he's given us before God in Christ. Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth righteousness without works. By his grace, he's given us faith to trust him alone for all our salvation. And so, therefore, I shall not slide. I shall not be condemned. I shall not be confounded. I shall not be ashamed. I shall not be confused. I shall not fall away. Beloved, God's word declares how that he, not you, but rather he is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of of his glory with exceeding joy. Believing sinner, he is able to keep us, kept by the power of God through faith. And so because he keeps us, because he has judged us in Christ, because he's given us faith in Christ Jesus, therefore I shall not slide. And so what does the believer, why does the believer not slide? Because, my friend, he's kept by the power of God through the faithfulness, the uprightness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what of the unbeliever? If the believer does not slide because he's kept by the power of God, he's kept through the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ, what of the unbeliever? Turn with me to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Now this verse in Psalm 73, David describes unbelievers, those who seem to have everything going well for them. And in spite of living in sin, not having any problems. And our brother David says how he's suffering like no other. I look at the wicked, ungodly, and it seems like things are going well with them. And David says this in Psalm 73, verse 18. He says these words. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. What a fearful thing. God sets those who love not his son, those who love not his righteousness and his kingship and his kingdom, on slippery ground, on sinking sand. My friend, when you walk out the doors of this auditorium, 
Are you walking in Christ? Are you found in him? Our almighty God declares, To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. We read this in the New Testament. Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're overdue for a study of First Timothy and Second Timothy. As much instruction in these epistles to young pastors and indeed God's people. And in First Timothy chapter five, verse twenty, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, Them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. So, Pastor, how will you, like Timothy, obey the Apostle Paul's injunction? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 11. God's word declares, and such were, not are, not are, but rather were, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. In due time, they who do not love the Lord Jesus Christ and his sovereign reign in their lives, they shall slide. They shall be condemned. All those who do not trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord declares, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And so to those in Christ Jesus... Those who are resting on that solid rock, that solid foundation that God laid in Zion, which is none other than Christ Jesus our Lord, their foot shall not slide. They shall not be ashamed. They shall not be confounded. Beloved, we shall not be condemned. Turn back with me to Psalm 26 and look there in verse 2. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Now, there are three things mentioned here. Examine, prove, and try. You see, my friend, true faith, the faith of God's elect, acknowledges the truth. That is, true faith, the faith of God's people, will be tested and tried. No wonder Peter calls the the trial of faith precious. Beloved, the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, 
that perisheth, and though your faith be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So true faith, the faith of God's elect, will be tested. And not so that he may know our heart, he already knows it, beloved, but to make it known to ours. You see, he already knows our heart. He knows whether our faith is real or not. He knows whether our faith is fixed on Christ or on something other. So the trial comes to make us to know, to reveal unto us the worth of true faith as it relates to and looks to the Lord Jesus Christ for everything. Lord, make me to know whether my faith is real. I want to know you now. I want to know if I'm his now. I want to know now if I'm trusting him. I don't want to wait to the judgment to find out. I want to know right now. How about you? So how can I know that I'm his? How can you know that you're his? Well, my friend, what's your hope? Who does your faith look to? Saving faith looks to him who is the author and finisher of it. And so, beloved, in the midst of those trials you're going through right now, just remember that they are sent from the hand of our loving Father. Beloved, the Lord loveth and chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And so every son whom he receives, trials are sent to us from the hand of our loving Father. And they do not drive the believer away, but rather, ever so blessedly, they drive us closer to the Lord. Remember God's servant Job? God said he was an upright man. And Job trusted the Lord Jesus Christ for all of his salvation. And yet, God sent him such heartaches and trials that most people don't know anything about. God took all his substance, killed all of his children, took his health completely away from him. His own wife turned on him. His friends turned on him. But did it drive Job away from our Lord? No. Rather, it drove him to the Lord. Job confessed this. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job also confessed this. Though God slay me, yet will I trust in him. For he shall be my salvation. So, beloved, when trials come our way from our loving Father, it doesn't drive us away. Rather, it draws us to Christ. And so that's what David is talking about here. And surely he knew something about trial and heartache, didn't he? Beloved, we are commanded in Scripture to examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith. Now, examining ourselves is not looking in here. All you'll find here is a deep, dark well of reasons why God should justly send you to hell. Don't look in here. Don't look in here to see if I've done this thing or that thing. Or just as bad to see that I haven't done this thing or that thing. Or I'm not as bad as that sinner over there. Well, if it's not those things, what is it? 
My friend, what you're looking for when you're examining yourself is this. Do I trust Christ alone for all my salvation? If you do, we'd like to hear about it. Our Lord has commanded us to preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Do you believe on the Son of God? Well, saved people confess him in believers' baptism. And they do that not to be saved, but rather, my friend, you'll do that because you already are. You see, all my righteousness before God is not found in my baptism. It's in his baptism. It's in his faithfulness. It's in his righteousness and obedience that saves me. Just after Matthew records John the Baptist declaring to those religious hypocrites, many of you remember that portion, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You know, I don't think one of those religious hypocrites confessed that that's true. But every one of us left to ourselves, in of ourselves, that's what we are. We are evil before God. And so that's what makes it all the more remarkable when John the Baptist said to our Lord as he came to him, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And our blessed Lord said, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. What a blessed hope. Our Lord did not say, For thus it becometh me to fulfill all righteousness. Oh, what a blessed reality. I'm in him, and he's in me, and he is all my righteousness. I'm one with him. He is holy, and so then I am holy. He is accepted of the Father, then so am I accepted of the Father. Christ Jesus is my all and in all. My friend, is he all your hope before God? You see, the believer has no other and entertains no other thought of hope before God except through Christ Jesus alone. Nothing else. Nothing less. Nothing more. Is the Son of God enough? Our Heavenly Father says so. And beloved, we stand complete in Him. Now notice verse 3. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes. So judge me, examine me, prove me, try me, because your loving kindness is before my eyes. So, where is the loving kindness of God revealed? Where does the glory of God shine? In the face of Jesus Christ. That loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. Now turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 138. What a gracious word, the loving kindness of the Lord. Psalm 138, verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. My friend, that's the witness of the gospel in the face of idolatry. With my back to the false gods will I sing praise unto thee. And so in the face of the false religion of our day, verse 2, 
I will worship toward thy holy temple, God's mercy in Christ, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Look there in Psalm 143, in verse 8. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. Do you know what his loving kindness is? Beloved, it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Now what better motive could a believer be given to walk and live for his glory than his loving kindness? So how did we who stole, how do we who drank to excess, how did we who had sex outside of marriage, how did we who worshipped idols, how did we who had sex with someone who wasn't our wife or the homosexual or lesbian, how did perverts like us stop living a life of open wantonness and rebellion toward God? My dear brother, my dear sister in Christ, don't you dare, don't you dare twist God's precious gospel to live in sin. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Paul writes to such sinners as we are. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Now, while some only talk of truth, beloved, it is better to walk in truth, in the truth of the gospel, the truth of worship. And what better motive to walk for his glory, to live for his glory, than his loving kindness? I've remarked on some occasions, especially find it interesting that the religious hypocrites get all bent out of shape when I say, my wife lets me do anything I want to. <laughs> and then every horrible, vile thing comes to their mind. And they start saying, oh, so your wife can let you do this or let you do that? And I tell them right away, why on earth would I want to do that? Because I love my wife. And it's the same thing with us, beloved. So how did... All these people, beloved, how did you stop your thievery, fornication, and idolatry? How did we stop our idolatry, wantonness, and all of our sexual perversion? How did we stop watching pornography on the internet? How did we grow to stop these things? Just as King David did. Just as King David did. And every saint of God did. Was it the law? Was it God's threatening wrath? No, beloved. I'll tell you how. His loving kindness. The love of Christ. The love he shed abroad in our hearts. My friend, 
Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering? Do you not know? It is the goodness, the loving kindness of God that leads you to repentance. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, how that it's the love of Christ that constrains us. And so, beloved, his loving kindness motivates us to walk in his truth, to live for his glory, and to love him by faith in Christ. The just, or those who are justified, live by faith. We walk not by sight, rather we walk by faith, ever looking to Christ. Beloved, his loving kindness is ever before our eyes. The love of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, of which nothing and no one can separate us from. Nothing and no one can separate us from the love of God, which is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, Psalm 26. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers, with the hypocrites, with those idol worshipers. Can you imagine David going to the house of Baal? Neither can I. David wouldn't be caught in the house of Baal. Indeed, under the reign of King David, he would see to it that they were put out of business. As the king, he said, I've not sat with these vain persons, these who would go about with vain worship, these who were hypocrites, these who were pretenders before God. And then he says in verse 5, I have hated. Now, he didn't say tolerate. He didn't say whatever you do in the privacy of your congregation is okay. No, he said, I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. Now, true citizens, true citizens will have no dealing with traitors. And we're citizens of a heavenly country. And so we have no dealings with traitors. We have nothing to do with or take part in their form of idolatry and ungodliness. Now, I realize we live in a world of unbelievers. I realize that we must see, speak, and trade with the ungodly of this world. We can't run off and live up in, in a mountain somewhere. But someday, God will take us out of this mess. But my friend, we don't have to seek out their company or partake of their wicked ways or agree with their false piety or their hypocrisy or partake in the falsehood that they promote. Our Lord had strong words for those Pharisees. He said, you are of your father. And you know, they boasted, Abraham's our father. We're not the children of idolaters. And our Lord set them straight on that. He said, you are of your father, the devil. Our Lord had sharp words for those Pharisees. He said, you are those which justify yourself before men, but God knows your hearts. That which is highly esteemed among men is abomination, idolatry in the sight of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ is called in Scripture the friend of sinners. He had no problem going to the house of the publicans and sinners, those who were real sinners, who had no pretense, no self-righteousness before God, those who were stripped by God Almighty, and knew themselves to be sinners seeking mercy. 
He had no problem with their company. But those who came around who were so pious and so self-righteous, well, the Lord had very sharp words for them, did he not? And then David writes again, our, our, our verse there, verse 5, I've hated the congregation of evildoers. Beloved, what God hates, we must hate. Now, I know that's a hard saying. I realize that. But my friend, if you do not hate that which is contrary to the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is because you have no real love for him. I'll say that again. My friend, if you do not hate that which is contrary to the gospel of God's grace and glory in Christ Jesus, it is because you have no real love for him and his true gospel. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 119. Look there with me in verse, a few pages over, to verse 103. We're all there. Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I What's the word there? Therefore, I hate every false way. Now, if you find yourself somehow compromising the gospel of Christ, I'd be very concerned. Verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 127. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. My friend, what would you rather have, a house full of gold or the word of God in your heart? If you've got to think about that, you're in trouble. Verse 128. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. When God says we're guilty, we're sinful, He's right. When God says there are only one, there's only one way of salvation in Christ Jesus, he's right. In fact, every single one of us here this morning is wrong, and he's the only right. And so therefore, I hate every false way. I hate it. I hate every false way. Now, I know we live in a day of great compromise, great compromise, and even toleration when we should not be tolerant. And I'm going to tolerate what I can. However, where God's glory is at stake and the truth of God's gospel is at stake, beloved, we cannot be compromisers. Indeed, we must take a bold stand, especially in this day. You remember what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 1? He said, Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, did he say, well, you know, it'll be okay? Did he say, it doesn't really matter? My friend, that's not what he said. Rather, God's word declares, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be damned. God's word declares, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Let him be damned. Let him be anathema maranatha. Let him be cursed when the Lord comes. Turn with me to Psalm 139. Now we are taught to love our enemies in the scriptures, are we not? Well, what about the enemies of God? What about the enemies of his gospel? Look there in Psalm 139, verse 19. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked. O God, depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. Verse 19. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And I'm not and am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. All right, back to our text. Psalm 26, verse 5. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I have a heart of anguish for those who despise the gospel of God. Those who will butcher the gospel and misuse the gospel and spread lies about the gospel. I hate that. Beloved, his glory is at stake. We cannot compromise. We are to contend for the truth that was once delivered unto the saints. God help us in this day to take a stand for the gospel of God's sovereign saving grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord. Now there's an old saying, and we remember Pilate tried this. The old saying goes, I wash my hands of it. Now this ought to be our attitude toward that which is false and contrary to the gospel of Christ. Isn't that exactly what the Apostle Paul said there in Philippians chapter 3? I count all things but dung, rubbish, garbage, that I might win Christ and be found in him. Beloved, I want to be done with all my past religious idolatry. What about you? I want to be done with all my fornication. How about you? Push it in the background. Be done with it. Wash your hands of it. And look what it says there. Wash your hands of everything. Put it all behind you, forgetting those things which are behind and looking forth unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6 again. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord. Now here's where we find cleansing, beloved. Here's where we find sacrifice for sins and the altar that God has provided in Christ Jesus. Beloved, he is our altar. He is our sacrifice. I want to compass myself around this altar. My friend, our only hope of being washed and made clean is in the fountain of blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. So I'll compass thine altar. 
I'll surround myself with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of that altar, which is Christ and him crucified, our sin offering. He appeared once, beloved, in the end of the age, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. God forbid, God forbid, we should glory except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So my friend, let's wash our hands of everything else. Let's be done with everything else and let's look to Christ alone right now for all of our salvation. I'm talking about the Christ of God. I'm not talking about this counterfeit Jesus that this religious world touts, the counterfeit Jesus who wants to but can't, who tried to and failed. That's not the Christ of God. The Christ of God is the victorious Christ who by himself purged all our sins, who is seated at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. That's the Christ of God, my friend. Thanks being to our God who's given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ because he's victorious. He's our sovereign, successful Savior, and he shall not fail. Beloved, we have the victory in him. So let's be taken up with the altar. And if you're taken up with the altar, if you're taken up with Christ and him crucified, if you're taken up with the blood of Jesus Christ as all of our redemption from sin, well, let's publish that message. And we do with the voice of thanksgiving. We publish the message of this particular redeeming blood of Christ. We publish the particular person who died. You see, it's not just some Jew from Nazareth that died on the cross. He is the God-man mediator. You see, it's who he is that gives infinite value and eternal merit to what he did. Beloved, God bought us with his own blood. And so let's publish that, that particular person who died, the particular price he paid. Oh, what a tremendous price it was. He gave his life to put away our sin. He shed his blood to put away our sin, beloved. So let's publish that message of a particular person who died with that particular price that he paid for his particular people. I'm not ashamed to declare that the Lord Jesus Christ died to save his elect. I'm not ashamed to declare the angel's voice to Joseph saying, declaring that message from the Lord, call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He did not die, my friend. Perhaps you've not heard this before. He did not die for all of the sin of all men. That's an utter lie. Rather, he died for all of the sin of his covenant people. Particular redemption, definite atonement, call it what you want. His sin-atoning blood is effectual. We don't worship that false Christ that attempted to save sinners. Rather, we worship the Lord Jesus Christ who accomplished the salvation of his people. Beloved, he accomplished our salvation. We have an accomplished atonement, and it's full complete and everlasting in Christ Jesus. My friend, I'm not talking about possibilities. Rather, I'm talking about God's immutable purpose. So as God grants us to tell of his wondrous works, God will bless it. God will own it, declaring who he is, declaring what he has done, declaring why God may be a just God and Savior, 
and declaring where he is enthroned and seated right now. My friend, God give you grace to hear him. Not me, I'm declaring his words. God give you grace to hear him. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. My friend, he doesn't offer you eternal life. Go, go to a car salesman if you want somebody to offer you something. Our sovereign God sovereignly gives eternal life undeservedly to sinners like you and me. What a glorious, victorious Lord we have. In glory, our victorious Lord declares, you can read these words in Revelation. It is done. <laughs> All of our salvation, beloved, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Seated on the throne. What does that mean? It means he has gotten the victory, beloved. In Psalm 110, we read, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool. Beloved, he's the conquering, victorious Lord, and we love to declare his wondrous works. Turn with me to Psalm 40. Verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, which thou hast done. And thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than be, can be numbered. Beloved, we have so much to tell out, so much to talk about. So let's go into this dying, lost religious world and let's tell of his wondrous works, his work that cannot fail, his righteousness that's everlasting. So let's tell out that message, declaring forth the wonders of his redeeming blood, his saving grace and regenerating power of his resurrection glory. In verse 8, and we'll conclude it in this verse here. Lord, I have loved and do love the habitation of thy house. Beloved, it's his house, the place where thine honor dwelleth. My friend, where God's people meet together is a place where the gospel is preached, where the honor and glory of God dwells, and they love being gathered there. Now, it may be a storefront on a side street, but be sure you know this. It's a place where his honor dwells, where the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is declared. Now, we're not here to honor the flesh. We're here to honor God Almighty. And we come together in the name of Christ to worship and honor him. This is the chief business of every saint below and the eternal business of all saints in glory. So where does his honor dwell? Look at Revelation chapter 5. And we'll conclude with this. This is the place where his honor dwells throughout all eternity. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive all honor, power, and glory. Revelation chapter 5. And they sung a new song unto him who loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood. Look at verse 9. 
And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. Did you ever notice how that throughout all 22 chapters of Revelation, the Lord Jesus Christ is set forth in his sacrificial character as the Lamb of God? Through those chapters, God's word sets forth the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb having been slain. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. God has an elect everywhere, a chosen people. I don't know who they are, but he does. God's word declares, The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ Depart from iniquity. And he has made unto us our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. The new heavens and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Verse 11. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor. Beloved, this is a place where his honor dwells. And glory and blessing, both now and forever. Verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are as in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb of and unto the Lamb forever and ever. This is a place where his glory dwells. Verse 14. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Beloved, may the Lord continue to grant us the undeserved privilege to publish his glory, his gospel, with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all his wondrous works. Amen.